economy, wealth in these pages refers not just to money. We also live in a fascinating, largely unexplored parallel economy. In it, we fulfill many vital needs or wants without pay. It is the combination of these two, the money and the non-money economies, that together form what we will call in these pages the wealth system. By simultaneously revolutionizing both of these interacting economies, we are creating a powerful, historically unprecedented wealth system. To grasp the significance of this, we need to recognize that no wealth system exists in isolation. A wealth system is only one component, although a very powerful one, of a still larger macro system whose other components, social, cultural, religious, political, are in constant feedback with it and with one another. Together, they form a civilization or way of life roughly compatible with the wealth system. For this reason, when we speak here about revolutionary wealth, we constantly bear in mind its links with all these other subsystems. To revolutionize wealth, then, as we are doing, is to introduce change and resistance from vested interests in all these and many other spheres of life as well. Revolutionary wealth rests on these core ideas which, once grasped, can help us make sense of the colliding, seemingly senseless changes and conflicts raging around us. Part 1. Revolution This book is about the future of wealth, visible and invisible, a revolutionary form of wealth that will redesign our lives, our companies, and the world in the years now speeding toward us. We will deal with everything from family life and jobs to time pressures and the mounting complexity of everyday life. We will grapple with truth, lies, markets, and money. We will cast surprising light on the collision of change and anti-change in the world around us, and inside ourselves. Today's wealth revolution will unlock countless opportunities and new life trajectories, not only for creative business entrepreneurs, but for social, cultural, and educational entrepreneurs as well. It will open fresh possibilities for slashing poverty both at home and around the globe, but it will accompany this invitation to a glowing future with a warning. Risks are not merely multiplying, but escalating. The future is not for the faint-hearted. Today, emails and blogs bombard us. eBay makes marketers of us all. Corporate megascandals burst into the headlines. Drugs are launched to help cure breast cancer, multiple sclerosis, and dozens of different diseases. Other drugs are belatedly pronounced too dangerous and yanked off the market. Robots go to Mars and land with exquisite precision, but computers, software, cell phones, and networks constantly fail. Warming warms. Fuel cells beckon. Genes and stem cells trigger bitter controversy. Nano is the new techno-grail. Simultaneously, criminal street gangs from Los Angeles roam across Central America and build a quasi-army, and 13-year-old aspiring terrorists depart France for the Middle East. In London, Prince Harry dresses as a Nazi even as anti-Semitism re-rears its disgusting head. AIDS wipes out a generation in Africa, while strange new diseases in Asia threaten to sweep across the world. To escape or at least forget, what appears like chaos, millions turn to television, where reality TV fakes reality. Thousands form flash mobs and gather to beat one another with pillows. Elsewhere, players of online games pay thousands of dollars in real money for virtual swords that their virtual selves can use to win virtual castles or maidens. Irreality spreads. More important, institutions that once lent coherence, order, and stability to society Schools, hospitals, families, courts, regulatory agencies, trade unions, flail about in crisis. 
and it is against this background that America's trade deficit soars to unprecedented levels. The national budget staggers drunkenly. The world's finance ministers wonder out loud if they should risk triggering a global depression by recalling the billions they have lent to Washington. Europe celebrates itself for expanding the European Union, but German unemployment hits a 50-year high, and the French and Dutch overwhelmingly reject the proposed EU constitution. Meanwhile, China, we're told, again and again, is certain to become the next superpower. The combination of economic high-wire acts and institutional failures leaves individuals back home face-to-face -face with potentially devastating personal problems. They question if they will ever receive the pensions for which they have worked, or whether they can afford the rocketing costs of gasoline and health care. They agonize about appalling schools. They worry about whether crime, drugs, and an anything-goes morality will destroy civil life. How, everyone wants to know, will this seeming chaos affect our wallets? Will we even have a wallet? Not only do ordinary mortals find it hard to answer these questions, so do the experts. Corporate CEOs succeed one another like passengers pushing through a rush-hour turnstile, merging, divesting, kowtowing to the stock market, pursuing core competence one month, synergy the next, the latest management fad a month later. They study the most recent economic forecasts, but many economists themselves are befuddled as they wander around in a cemetery of dead ideas. To decode this new world, we need to cut through the chatter of rear-window economists and business pundits who prattle about business fundamentals. We need to probe below the obsolete obvious. In these pages, therefore, we will focus on the unexplored deep fundamentals, on which the so-called fundamentals themselves depend. Once we do, things look different, less crazy, and previously unnoticed opportunities pop out of the shadows. Chaos, it turns out, is only part of the story and chaos itself generates new ideas. Tomorrow's economy, for example, will present significant business opportunities in fields like hyper-agriculture, neurostimulation, customized healthcare, nanoceuticals, bizarre new energy sources, streaming payment systems, smart transportation, flash markets, new forms of education, non-lethal weapons, desktop manufacturing, programmable money, risk management, privacy invasion sensors that tell us when we're being observed, indeed sensors of all kinds, plus a bewildering myriad of other goods, services, and experiences. We can't be sure when these will or will not turn profitable, or how they will converge, but understanding the deep fundamentals will reveal the existence, even now, of new needs and previously unidentified industries and sectors, a huge synchronization industry, for example, and a loneliness industry. To forecast the future of wealth, we also need to look not just at the work we do for money, but at the unpaid work all of us also do as prosumers. We'll explain later, but it might shock most people to learn just how much unpaid output we all produce every day. We'll look as well at the invisible third job that many of us hold without even knowing it. Because prosuming is set to explode, the future of the money economy can no longer be understood, let alone forecast, apart from that of the prosumer economy. The two, in fact, are inseparable. Together, they form a wealth system, and once we understand this and the channels by which the two feed each other, we gain piercing insights into our private lives now and into the future. New wealth systems don't come often, and they don't travel alone. Each carries with it a new way of life, a civilization. Not just new business structures, but new family formats, new kinds of music and art, new foods, fashions, and standards of physical beauty, new values, and new attitudes toward religion and personal freedom, all of which interact with and shape the emerging new wealth system. 
America today is spearheading just such a new civilization built around a revolutionary way of creating wealth. For better and worse, billions of lives around the world are already being changed by this revolution. Nations and whole regions of the globe are rising or declining as they feel its impact. Today, millions of people around the world dislike or even hate America. Some fanatics wish to incinerate the United States and everyone in it. The reasons they give range from its Middle East policies and its refusal to sign various international treaties to what they regard as its imperial ambitions. Yet even if peace reigned in the Middle East, even if all the world's terrorists turned pacifist and democracies flowered like dandelions, the rest of the world would still view the United States with trepidation at best. This is because the new wealth system the United States is developing, by its very nature, threatens old, embedded financial and political interests around the world. Moreover, in the United States, the rise of the new wealth system has been accompanied by controversial changes in the roles of women, racial and ethnic minorities, gays, and other groups. In short, the combination of revolutionary wealth and the social and cultural changes so far associated with it may have more to do with global anti-Americanism than the usual litany of reasons cited by the media. The revolutionary wealth system, however, as we'll hear, is no longer an American monopoly. Other nations are racing to catch up, and it is not clear how long the United States will retain its lead. The roots of revolutionary wealth can be traced to 1956, the year when, for the first time, white-collar and service workers outnumbered blue-collar workers in the United States. This sea change in the composition of the labor force was arguably the kickoff point for the transition from an industrial economy based on manual labor to one based on knowledge or mind work. The knowledge-based wealth system is still called the new economy, and for convenience, we will at times continue to call it that here. But the first computers, still huge and expensive, actually were migrating from government offices into the business world by the mid